Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month, and if you're over 50 and you have not done this essential test, then it's time to learn more about all of your options to prevent this potentially treatable disease. From home kits to colonoscopies to more, today we're going to talk about the best way to screen for and detect early-stage colon cancer. This might just save your life, and if you're less than 50, there are some folks who should do screening when they're younger. So we're going to talk about some of those guidelines today. We have an excellent guest here in the studio, Dr. Donald Salinger. He has been a gastroenterologist for almost four decades. And we're going to talk about all the different changes and guidelines. A lot of folks might have heard, you know, in 2009, some of the recommendations changed. So if you were told you should do your colonoscopy in five years, now it might be 10 or something along those lines. We're going to talk all about how to make sense of the guidelines and what to do, how to do what makes the most sense for you. Now, before we get started, we have Doreen Nakamura on the line from University Health Alliance. You know, not just are doctors interested in colon cancer screening, but health insurance is as well. And it's not just to save money, it's really to save lives. So we're going to hear from Doreen. She works in the healthcare services department about one of our local insurers efforts to really try and make sure that people who need to do screening get this taken care of as easy as possible. Welcome to the show, Doreen. Hi, Dr. Kozak. Yes, here at UHA, uh, we do believe in preventive care, and this test is definitely one of those tests uh, that uh, we believe everyone over 50 should receive, uh, or if uh, you have a family history, um, we are making it very easy for our UHA members and mailing out this FIT test. Uh, actually, for the listeners, this is a poop test. Uh, it's very easy can be done in the convenience and privacy of your own home. You take a sample, mail it back to the lab. Keep in mind that it's non-invasive. No pre-test dietary restrictions are required. Um, Keep in mind that this is a screening test, so even if the results are negative, uh, this this test needs to be done um, annually. Um, And in addition, your doctor may have other recommendations. Uh, it's very important if the test turns out positive to um, discuss recommendations with your doctor, which might involve a colonoscopy. This test does not take the place of a colonoscopy if that is what your doctor recommends. So really what you're saying is that for those people who say, I don't have time, I don't want to get in and call my doctor, you guys will mail it to the home. This is one of the only shows on the radio where we can say the word poop. And it's totally appropriate. And you can do it at home. You send it in. And it actually can help. If you get a positive result, then you'd want to follow up. You'd want to see your your primary care provider. You may be sent to a gastroenterologist. We're going to talk to one in just a few moments. And you might have to do some follow-up. But for those people who say, I fear the colonoscopy, which really is more about fearing the prep for the colonoscopy, not the actual procedure. For those folks, really, no excuses. We've got another test you could do. Everybody should do something. And depending on what they do, there may be some follow-up needs. But at least don't ignore the idea of colon screening. Exactly. You said it perfectly. 
All right. Well, I am glad to know that even our local insurers are the ones that are also spearheading some of these efforts to make sure that people who need to do some type of colon screening have the opportunity to do it. So if you are a UHA member, you can call UHA. They will send you the kit. And Doreen, are you going to just send it out to a bunch of folks who you think need it anyway? Uh, we sent it out to um, you did our, it already. Members, our qualifying members. But anyone else who is interested can call us or go to our UHA website to request the kit. Um, additionally, we know that um, there are people even under 50 that are being diagnosed with colon cancer. So we'll be sending to those uh, people a kit as well. Uh, they just need to call us or go online to our UHA website to re- request the kit. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for giving us that update, telling us about some of the efforts that you're making. And uh, hopefully lots of folks will return those kits. If you get one in the mail, there's a reason. Follow the instructions. They're not hard, I promise. (laughs) And you hopefully will get a negative result. You mentioned it has to be done annually, and that means you might get another kit next year. Great. Exactly. Thank you. All right. Thanks for sharing that information with us, Doreen. Now I want to introduce Dr. Don Salinger. You have been a gastroenterologist for 37 years. That's a long time. And you've certainly diagnosed your fair share of colon cancer. When you see somebody who has fears of colonoscopy, let's kind of myth bust the procedure a little bit. We talked with Doreen about this easy home kit. We'll mention that in a few moments. But the gold standard for colon screening truly is a screening colonoscopy currently at this time. Is that right? Correct. Uh, Thank you for having me, Dr. Kozak. Yes, a colonoscopy is the gold standard for not only screening for for colon cancer, but for for making the diagnosis in patients who have colon-related symptoms. So why do people fear it? I mean, I'm not even 50, and I fear it already, and there's no reason for it. I think I should get over my fear. I've got about six years to do so, but I don't necessarily fear the procedure. What's with that prep? Well, that's that's the common uh, problem and complaint. Patients do have to prepare their colon the day before the colonoscopy. There are a variety of laxatives and preps that we use, uh, but it is, not, it is an arduous task. It is an evening in the bathroom. Uh, it, uh, it's probably the, the single most important uh, uh, problem related to patients' reluctance to have colonoscopies. The procedure itself is really quite simple. Patients come with a prepared bowel, uh, they are generally given an anesthetic, uh, a light anesthetic, uh, and the ins- uh, the tube is in- with a light and a camera are inserted is inserted into the rectum and passed throughout the colon, and the entire colon is examined. And this is a small tube. This is not like anything large. It's I mean, a, if- it's a, the diameter of the tube is about the size of your little finger. So this is something that you know the prep beside. There are ways that people can have this done. I see a lot of people who say, it wasn't the procedure. I woke up and I said, have we started yet? And they told me it was done and over with. It's actually uh, quite a quick procedure. It takes about uh, 15 minutes, uh, sometimes a little longer if we have to remove a a number of polyps. But generally, it's 15 minutes. Patients awaken very quickly. We use something called propofol now, which is very fast-acting anesthetic. 
uh, patients awaken from it very quickly and are ready to leave the endoscopy lab within 20 minutes. And can they... Do they need to have someone drive them home? Do they we, can they call a taxi? How do they how do they logistically get back to you, wherever they're going? We advise patients after any type of procedure, particularly where medications are involved, not not to drive that day. Uh, certainly, they can take a taxi. Someone usually uh, arranges to have someone pick them up. So, if if I don't have to be scared about the prep, because it's it's a prep, but okay and you want to do it correctly, and I don't have to be scared about the procedure, I'm still going to receive t- some type of anesthetic. Nobody's, I mean, I guess you could, if you're Katie Couric, you could do it live <laughs> on television in the morning and be awake for it. I'm not Katie Couric. I want to be put asleep. And so most of, nobody's doing these when they're like awake and uh, noticing everything unless they have a special, somewhat unusual request. Occasionally a patient will say, I want to leave the the endoscopy lab and go to work and they don't want uh, an anesthetic and and it can be done without an anesthetic it does cramp a, a little bit not a lot but the vast majority of patients will take uh, the propofol I'm going to sign up for propofol and when it's my turn. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Don Salinger. He is a gastroenterologist at Straub Medical Center. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about the colonoscopy procedure and what are some of the other alternatives. And are they truly alternatives? What is the best way to check your colon? And how can we make this something that anybody who needs to can do? We'll be right back after this quick break. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Don Salinger, and we are talking about colon cancer screening because March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And this is one of those cancers that, if detected early, could be curative if you take out a pre-malignant polyp or a precancerous polyp. Am I wrong with that? That's exactly right, Kathy. Colon cancer is an absolutely preventable disease. Uh, it, uh, if the patients are screened and it's found early or it's found in its precancerous state uh, that we usually refer to as colon polyps. Now, are all polyps cancerous? No. There, there are basically two types of, of polyps that we find. Uh, one is the so-called hyperplastic polyp, which is not premalignant, and we can tell that when we send it to the lab. The majority of the polyps, however, are what we call adenomas, and uh, many, not all, but many adenomas uh, will uh, develop uh, into a cancer of the colon. We believe that all colon cancers begin as a polyp, so the rationale is that if you have a polyp and we remove it, you will not get colon cancer. Thus, we believe that colon cancer is a preventable disease. So if you have polyps and you have them removed, if they're the hyperplastic ones, that doesn't add any additional risk for you for cancer. If you have adenomatous polyps, a few years back they changed some guidelines. If you have certain types of polyps, when do you need to follow up to do more screening? Because you mentioned that they could be precancerous, and if they are, we want to make sure we catch any other ones. If you got one, you might get some more. What time interval would be most appropriate? 
If one has a hyperplastic or not a premalignant polyp, then the usual follow-up is 10 years. If you had an, have an adenoma, a precancerous type polyp, we would recommend that you have a repeat exam in five years to make sure that, one, the polyp is not returned, and second, that you don't have an additional polyp in, in another place in the colon. Now, for those folks who do come back to do their second repeat colonoscopy, that may, in that case, depending on what they found, be screening or diagnostic. Same procedure. You're still looking at the colon. It's the same prep. What we call it doesn't matter. It depends on what the results are. Correct. Okay. Now, there are a lot of folks who have had colon cancer diagnosed in polyp stage, and they've had it removed, and then at that point, that's it. But if you wind up having a polyp removed and it actually is malignant, what is the next step? What happens after that? If we do a colonoscopy, for example, a screening colonoscopy on someone who is 50 years old and we find a polyp and it does not have cancer in it, then we would follow that patient with a repeat colonoscopy in five years. If, on the other hand, there is already cancer beginning in the polyp, then that patient, we make the diagnosis of colon cancer, and they would um, would uh, wind up having a, a part of their colon removed. Uh, the whole idea of finding cancer even either in the polyp stage or in the early cancer stage is to find it before it turns into cancer or very early on. If patients uh, have advanced cancer of the colon, we cure very few. We cure virtually every patient with either a polyp or an early-stage cancer of the colon. Now, there's also certain age guidelines. We've talked about being 50. There are certain requirements if you have a family history of colon cancer, and that gets into specifics as to the age of diagnosis of that person, right. or if you have some other type of condition. There's some cancerous type or, or cancer risk conditions like ulcerative colitis, for example, for which you might have certain monitoring done out of the routine schedule. There's other familial polyposis syndromes where there's everyone in the family has some additional risk. But for most folks, if you start colon screening at 50, you get a negative test result. You're told, come back in 10 years. You come back at 60. You're given another negative result. You're told, come back in 10 years. Do we ever stop colon cancer screening? Is there an age at which there is a risk of doing the screening that might be greater than a potential benefit? Yes. If a patient is what we call normal risk, that is, no family history of colon cancer or colon polyps, we would stop screening at, at 75. Um, usually if a patient has had one or two or th even three uh, colonoscopies uh, 10 years apart and no polyps were found, they're pretty well out of, the, out of danger. How about, let's talk about some of the other types of colon screening that we do because the colonoscopy is the gold standard. If you have a colon and you're over 50, you need an oscopy of it. You need a colonoscopy. But if you choose not to do it, or maybe you have some particular risk factor or some reason why you can't, Doreen earlier talked about a FIT test, a fecal immunoassay test. There are some other tests that we've looked at, and medical science has determined that there are some non-invasive ways that you can screen for colon cancer. Let's talk first about the FIT test, then we'll talk about the fecal DNA test because that's another exciting uh, test that has come out. And I'm kind of hoping that when I 
turn 50, it's going to be fabulous and out there and great, but I don't know. So the fit test, let's talk about that first. That's a home kit. It's a little poop test. You do it at home. It detects microscopic blood in your stool. How good is it? It is a stool test. It it measures the stool, measures whether there is blood that that comes from the colon in the stool. If patients have a colon cancer or an advanced adenoma, that test may well be positive. It's not 100%. It's not as sensitive and specific as is colonoscopy, but it's pretty good. So if you happen to have a negative test result, you know, Doreen even alluded to the fact you have to do that every year. You have to do it every year, correct. Now, I've heard the statement, and please tell me if I'm wrong, if you do the FIT test, the test for blood in your stool, every year annually for 10 years, and it's negative for 10 years, that would be as statistically equivalent of doing a colonoscopy once every 10 years and getting a negative result. It's pretty close. The only difference is that if you had an early polyp, uh, the the FIT test may not find it. And remember, it's those early polyps that we find at colonoscopy and remove that prevents colon cancer. So the FIT test can be very, very helpful and yes, accurate. no question. But if you have a polyp that's not bleeding, you're not going to have any blood in your stool, Correct. and then you're not going to detect that. That's exactly right. All right. Now, there's other tests that have come about that look at fecal DNA testing. Yes. And, you know, I find this a curious, uh, curious situation is that some of the groups that have come out with the tests, there's a way that you can look for abnormal DNA. So presumably, if you have some type of cancer, the DNA mutation is present. And if you detect abnormal DNA in the stool, you could have a heightened suspicion that there's a problem, thus needing to do the colonoscopy. Similar to the FIT test, if you find blood in the stool, colonoscopy would be the next step. Have we perfected this fecal DNA test? The fecal DNA test that began about four years ago is referred to as Cologuard, and it actually measures abnormal DNA in the stool that originates in, in an either advanced polyps or, or, or frank colon cancer. It is not nearly as sensitive and specific as, as is colonoscopy. However, um, it, it, uh, it, it's getting better and better, and it is a good way uh, to screen uh, for for advanced polyps. The problem with Cologuard, however, is two. One, uh, insurance companies are currently, most of them anyway, are not paying paying for it, and it's an expensive test. And the second is that uh, if you have an early polyp uh, similar to the, the the poop test, it will not pick it up. So we still have the same issue, same issue with early polyps not being able to right. be detected because right. they may not have the abnormal DNA. Correct. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Donald Zallinger. He is a gastroenterology expert, and we are talking today about March being Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Do you have a colon? Have you had it checked? If the answer to that is yes, you have a colon, and no, you haven't had it checked, this is such a great month to decide to make it a priority for you. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about ways that we can detect colon cancer, symptoms of concern, and I'll mention a little personal story at the same time. We'll be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Hawaii Pacific University, and Ulupono Initiative. 
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Donald Salinger. And we're talking today about colon cancer screening. What can we do if we have a colon and we need to screen it? And we've talked about how the procedure really, yes, there's a prep, okay. But once you get beyond the prep, which you can do in the comfort of your own home, then you can do the colonoscopy. It could be potentially a 15-minute test and possibly longer, but really not a huge amount of time invested on, on your behalf if you need to go ahead and do this. And it can detect early stage cancer. And that's really the key. Nobody likes to hear about the big C cancer word. And if you do happen to have a concern about cancer, and you want to know if you're at risk for colon cancer, there are some ways you can find out. Best idea is colonoscopy. But if not, there's a couple of other ways you can look at it. We talked about the FIT test, the fecal immunoassay test. We also talked a little bit about Cologuard. Now, Dr. Salinger, to my knowledge, we're not quite sure how often to do Cologuard yet. You know, it came out about four years ago, and there uh, there are people who, you know, it's it's got it's funny. I got to tell you, I was watching a commercial the other night for Cologuard. I was really surprised we got to the point where we're now advertising cancer screening tests on television, and I think it was like HGTV or something. I was watching. I mean, I'm not quite sure what demographic that I happen to fit in. Apparently, the demographic of colon screening, uh, but there it was. This little this little Cologuard test on television as a commercial. So you know, if someone were to choose to do that. One of the things that I know some insurance companies have required is that if it's not considered to be the gold standard test colonoscopy, then there's got to be a reason why you want to do that one instead. Either there's got to be a contraindication to doing a colonoscopy or some reason why that would be a better test for you. Do we know how often you have to do it? Good question. We do not know. The guidelines do not uh, do not uh, tell us uh, how often we we should do Cologuard if that's the test that you want to use to screen for colon cancer. But most of us recommend three years. What about virtual colonoscopy? That's another test that, you know, has come about. And the prep is the same. So for those people who say, I just don't want to do the prep, well, you're still going to have to do it if you're doing the virtual colonoscopy. But what's virtual about it? Virtual simply means that uh, it's not an instrument inserted into the rectum. Virtual colonoscopy is actually a CAT scan, a CT scan, uh, with the same prep and with contrast barium, not barium, but something like barium, inserted into the rectum and and passes through the colon and x-rays or CT scan is taken. And that's pretty good in terms of detecting uh, advanced polyps and and um, in terms of uh, t- detecting colon cancer. The problem with virtual colonoscopy is it's this, just that. It's virtual, and if it's abnormal, you still have to have a colonoscopy. You got a double prep. Yeah. If you don't want the prep, you just had to do it twice. Right. The other thing is I think there's radiation exposure. There's some radiation exposure. And honestly, if it's not big enough to be seen, you may not see it on a CAT scan, but you could detect it on a colonoscopy if you were to see it because you're using a scope that magnifies things. That's exactly right. So really, our whole discussion has focused on why colonoscopy is the superior test. No question it is a superior test, but but all should know there are other ways. It's better to do anything than rather than to do nothing. Very important because if, if you got a colon and you haven't checked it, 
some form of the test could be helpful. You know, there are areas of the country where there are not enough gastroenterologists to do colonoscopy. Uh, there are some internal medicine docs who do colonoscopy. I know when I was doing my residency, they actually taught us how to do it. Uh, but it wasn't something we were expected to become proficient in if we weren't going to be a gastroenterologist. So there are some parts of the world where there are people who do that. There used to be this old test way back when, the flexible sigmoidoscopy. Are we doing those anymore? I don't we, hear about it much. We do them uh, occasionally. Uh, years ago, most colon cancers were thought to be in the near the near the rectum, so that short scope or the sigmoidoscopy. Uh, may have been okay then. Now we know that colon cancer is pretty much equally distributed throughout the length of the colon. Uh, so we really do not use flexible sigmoidoscopy, although that is an alternative. But it's like uh, having a mammogram of one breast. It's only half the half the colon. Yes. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I can attest to that. My mother was diagnosed at the age of seventy-eight with uh, stage three colon cancer because she's not in a health status for which we were doing screening testing, and she's over seventy-five. She had symptoms and had really bad anemia, and that's how it was discovered. And unfortunately, in her case, she has an advanced colon cancer. So yes, I will be doing colon screening when I'm 50. I have no excuse. And anybody out there can can call me out on that if I turn 50 and I say I didn't do it. You, you can get on my case for that uh, because there is a family member. But in people who have a family member who get a diagnosis, regardless of where in their colon, and they're over the age of 75, is there a difference in recommendations for colon cancer screening that is based on younger family members having a history versus older family members? We divide screening colonoscopy into two groups. The, we've been discussing the average risk group, uh, that is no family history starting at age 50. If someone has a family history of, of colon cancer, that raises their, uh, their um, ability to get colon cancer significantly. We recommend that those patients begin screening at age 40, and depending on the findings, for example, if you're normal at 40, then it would be every 10 years. If we find polyps at age 40, then it would be every, every five years. We know that uh, if a patient who is 40 has a first-degree relative, mother, father, brother, or sister, with colon cancer, th their risk goes up twofold. If they have two first-degree relatives with colon cancer or colon polyps, their risk goes up fourfold. Okay, so the one thing you didn't do is mention the age. Am I not out of the woods? You, I'm above 40. I was just uh, thinking that when you were discussing uh, As that. I start to get short of breath. As you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> do I need to do a colonoscopy? At age 40. <gasps> I'm 44. Great. The best thing that could happen at this show is that I find out I now have to do a colon prep and I don't have a six-year window. Wonderful. These are these great things that happen when I'm on radio, and now people can call me out for colonoscopy now. Okay, so it's age-independent. So if any family member, and, and why was I thinking if you have a family member diagnosed with colon cancer below the age of like 55, there's a greater risk than if they're over the age of 75? Did I just make that up to appease myself? Uh, it's very possible. I, I think, Kathy, you're thinking about um – the frequency of follow-up. All patients with family history should begin at 40. If they have a first-degree relative who got colon cancer under the age of 60, 
then they would go to every five years regardless of the finding at the initial examination. Uh, because we know that first-degree relatives with colon cancer uh, increases your risk. Colon cancer is a genetic disease influenced by other things like high-fat diet, alcohol consumption, cigarette smoking. Red meat consumption? Red meat consumption, diabetes. No, I'm scared. All right. Well, luckily, some of those risk factors I don't have, so... I'll, I'll convince myself it's all right. Well, you know, this has been very educational, somewhat scary, but the basic message for March, if you have a colon and you haven't done something, it's time to look at screening. Absolutely. Uh, all, all patients should be screened. Hawaii has a higher risk of uh, higher incidence of colon cancer than do other Americans. Forty-seven, uh, two years ago, 47 uh, patients per 100,000 would get colon cancer. And I am definitely not going to be one of those. All right. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. If you want to hear the show again, you can click on our podcast, hawaiipublicradio.org. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich, Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Thank you to Dr. Donald Salinger from Straub Medical Center for scaring me into a colonoscopy. I'm going to be doing it. All right. We will see you next week when we talk about more health topics right here on The Body Show.